0: Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Jordan Hauer and Mark Donovic of Amass Insights. Amass Insights is one of Alternative Data's facilitators. The company provides a bridge for Alternative Data buyers to get access to the whole gamut of available datasets. At the last count, Jordan and Mark had 13,000 alternative data providers on their books. In our conversation, we speak about how Amass Insight started off and what Jordan and Mark have been seeing in the wider alternative data space, both in terms of the hottest datasets and the emerging trends on the buy side. So today I'm joined by Jordan Hower and Mark Donovic of Amass Insights. Um, we've got a, a, a first for the Alternative Data Podcast because there's three of us, three of us on the call at once. Um, I'm in London, Jordan's in New York, and Mark is over in, in Seattle. Um, welcome, both of you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. It. So you guys work for Amass, uh, well, founders, sorry, of Amass Insights. Um, what, Jordan, why don't you tell me about, about what Amass does?
1: Sure. Um, we are an uh, alternative data market network um, where basically we help connect data providers and data consumers, mostly hedge funds.
0: Okay. And, um, um, and how long has that been going on for?
1: Uh, we've been in business since 2015, um, gone through obviously some, some uh, evolution over that, that time period. Um, but we've been generally in the alternative data industry. Um, for uh, over eight years now, so since about
0: 2011. Wow. So, um, what do you, what do you guys tell me about how you got into alternative data in the first place?
1: Sure. Um. So I, I started my career uh, going back to college. Um. In in Cornell. Um. I was a uh, information science major. Uh, part of the first graduating class of that major in the engineering school. So, um, got a good sense for you know how data. Um, it, you know, works in in the indus- in industries, um, typically in the mar- marketing industry back then. But um, moved on to uh, work in the finance industry at a, a hedge fund called Hunter Global. Um, was their first technology hire, um, and was ten years younger than anybody else at the at the firm, um, and and got a sense for how a billion dollar fundamental long short uh, um, asset manager operated, um, and really. Uh, realized that there was a need for uh, more rigorous data um, processes, both you know using traditional financial market data, but also um, there was really no use of any data outside of you know things that are in Bloomberg or FactSet. Um, and so, coming out of that experience, um, I was there for about a year. Uh, we, I, I basically uh, made a, a connection with a company that um, it managed people's emails was a tool that over a couple million users, uh, consumers uh, used to get rid of spam and organize their email better. Um, And I realized there's value in this data for hedge funds, um, specifically if the emails that contained uh, transactions or the receipts um, were able to be uh, aggregated and anonymized. Um, There was a big enough sample size to get a sense for how companies like Amazon or Netflix were trending uh, prior to when they um, reported their quarters. Um, So back in 2012, at a prior startup, um, we were- Sorry,
0: sorry, 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 Jordan. So for example, um, if you could persuade Gmail to give you anonymized access to if it could if you could sense whenever there was a um, receipt whenever an email was a receipt and Gmail would give you anonymized access then you 'd be able to get a good understanding of of for example the all the receipts that amazon was was sending and so an idea of the transactions that they were doing
1: yeah I mean obviously you 'll never convince Gmail to give you the data directly um, so uh, the way the way to actually do that back then um, was to uh, build a tool that a lot of people wanted to plug into their Gmail, um, and mm-hmm. back then, you know, that was that was allowed by Gmail's uh, terms of service, um, and you could basically. It, back then, it was kind of the wild west in terms of what you can do with that data, um, but yeah. we made we made sure that it, it was aggregated and anonymized, uh, and um, you know, obviously, investors. You know, you might have heard this from other people, but investors really don't care um, about who the person buying something is. Um, it's more about the the amount of money they're spending. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So sorry. You you were saying?
1: Yeah. So uh, we we basically uh, we were the first to ever start uh, aggregating what we called email transactional data. Um, there's probably a handful, or actually, there's definitely a handful or two handfuls of companies that do that now. Um, and that was kind of how we got into the into the space. Um, the company we worked with uh, was acquired by a subsidiary of Rakuten. Uh, the Japanese retailer. So, uh, in two thousand fifteen, we moved on and, and founded Mass Insights with a with a much wider view on uh, the types of alternative data that we were interested in um, learning about and interested in uh, helping to monetize.
0: So that's still quite early. I mean, you're based in New York, and um, I feel like New York is the center of alternative data and is and is definitely ahead of ahead of this side of the the Atlantic um, where, with regards to it. But you were you were pretty early in, in creating something in 2016. Was that, is that the case?
1: Yeah, uh, we felt uh, we were definitely early and ahead of the game. Um, when, we, when I started in the industry in 2012, we were extremely early. People didn't even understand. There, there was no term alternative data. Uh, I actually called it non-traditional data. Um, and uh, back then, it really started, Amass really started off as, Like a list of companies or list of data providers that I was was putting into my notes on my phone, Um, and it really had no uh, there was no um, organization to it, Um, and so eventually it evolved into an Excel spreadsheet with a few columns about you know categorizing those you know hundred or so providers that I'd heard of, um, whether you know and I I heard about them through my contacts in the industry and through following uh, news about new companies launching et cetera. Um, and realized that you know this was really exploding. The, the types of different data that could be used by investors was exploding. Um, and so eventually, uh, it evolved into an Airtable database with um, hundreds and hundreds of, of columns and, and different categorizations to um, basically categorize what are these alternative data providers, what do they do, uh, what type of data do they provide, are they valuable, and, and uh, it really snowballed from there.
0: Sure, and so that's the that's the provider side, and presumably at the same time you were doing that with your left hand, and then presumably on the, with your right hand, you were beginning to create a list of people who might consume it. What was that looking like in the in the early days?
1: Uh, it's really just personal connections, and and um, and you know the it doesn't didn't have to be as rigorous um, as the data providers. Um, so it's really uh, personal connections, and and you know if you reach out to somebody that and tell them I have data that you could use to make, make you know, additional alpha, they're typically I- excited to talk to you. Um, well, so
2: just to add to that too, I think, you know, back in that time, there really wasn't, I mean, this was really challenging for us is there wasn't a lot of, you know, funds out there with deep internal data science teams that can consume very large, you know, data assets. Um, And moreover, I think, you know, um, people are still educating themselves in the space and they were still somewhat apprehensive to change, especially when you're working with data sets that are, you know, costing a million plus um, and require a lot of testing and compliance, um, you know, evaluations and stuff. So it was, you know, extremely, you know, challenging in the beginning just because, you know, our, I guess, buyer cohort is very small.
0: Sure. So part of your part of your challenge, having created this list of alternative data providers, has been to um, evangelize about it and and spread the word. Has that been has that been part of the story?
1: Yeah. And also um, one huge thing is education of our data providers, of data providers, whether they're partners or not partners of ours. Um, So a lot of times we've actually been um, the first people to ever suggest that somebody's data could be sold. To especially to the investment management industry, and sometimes to anybody. Um, so a lot of these companies are actually not even data providers; they are just aggregating data for their own purposes and don't even realize that they're sitting on all this value. Um, and they don't know how to how to package it. They don't know how to price it. They don't know how to sell it. They don't know who wants it. Um, so a lot of it is really um, you know educating our data provider you know uh, contacts on what they should be doing and you know where they can. Basically, build a new business within their own business.
0: There's so-called um, exhaust data, isn't there, which is which is companies which um, do their normal day job um, of, for example, credit credit cards as a is a basic example. They will be their day job is making sure that the transactions can happen, but there was an the exhaust data is that they are um actually all this data can be useful for for the subsidiary uses of people who want to understand the economy um would you approach companies who hadn't realized that they had exhaust data and 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 tell them that their data could be useful or did they always tend to come to you
1: no we we, we often um come across and, and go directly to companies that um it, it's what whether you can consider it exhaust data or um it, it, some some of these companies actually uh, don't are struggling to build any kind of business based. You know, there might be an app that's used by millions of people. It's a free app, and they don't really know how to make money. And they realize that there there's a way that they can monetize their you know, for example, their location data. Um, and and so it's it's in some cases it's exhaust of a of a of a business that's already healthy, but in some cases it actually um, we actually. You know, alert these companies to the fact that that they do actually have a business; they just haven't been focusing on the right part of their business.
0: It's, it reminds me of the um, yeah, it reminds me of uh, uh, General Santa Ana, Apparently, the Mexican general um, died penniless in the end because he spent the last ten years of his his life trying to make people use um, a sub called a sub. A substance called chiclay for for tires, but it was five or ten years after his death that somebody else used chiclay for chewing gum and became this massive billionaire. So you can have the right product, you are just not using it right, you know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, well, using that. <laughs> but so, um, so what, so what does the mass insights look like now?
2: Yeah, so I think you know when Jordan was describing our inception, you know, we've we've gone through multiple phases. One, you know, we were started. Um, you know, being uh, doing data strategy consulting um, for you know a few systematic managers, uh, but over time, what we wanted to do was productize productize everything we were doing in a consulting pack capacity. Um, so as of today, you know, we we created a platform uh, called Insights. It's a two sided market network uh, and search engine that obviously you know connects data buyers um, and data sellers um but what's unique and mark i mean i'm sure you know you know there's a lot of other um i guess participants in the market whether you're a directory whether you're a data broker whether you're a consultant i guess what kind of makes us unique is we have or i guess our proprietary technology instead of manually doing all this data collection um and scouring the earth for you know uh data suppliers uh we actually systematically source, categorize, and rank both traditional and non-traditional uh, data assets uh, quicker than anybody in the world. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we consummate matches, um, you know, between asset managers um, and data providers, but it's purely based on, you know, the research objectives and their portfolio holdings. Um, so that's kind of where we're at today. The product's that not there's a lot there's. Does- Sorry, Mark. There's a lot to unpack in there, so
0: let me let me let me um, dive in a bit. Um, so, so how how does it begin? A, a client, let's say, a client comes to you, and it is a is a it's an investor who is interested in in alternative data, doesn't necessarily know that much about it, or or, or has an open mind. Um, and so, how how does the process work from there?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I think you know the first step of the process is getting access to our platform, right? And a, you know, a fund analyst or it can be, you know, a data sourcing uh, employee, they can input whatever parameters, search parameters that they want uh, into our platform. So geographical coverage with the underlying, um, you know, uh, data source, um, where it's coming from, or if they want to focus on a particular security. We have over a million different tags in our database that allows, you know, um, an analyst to quickly navigate to, um, you know, a data set that pertains to, you know, whatever their research mandate is. Um, and they, you know, I think as of this morning, and Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we have a little bit over 13,000, um, but we've developed, you know, certain fields. Data sets.
0: Data providers. Data provi- 13,000 data providers.
1: Yeah, we, we we like we are very specific on how we define a data provider. Um, it, rather than being a data set, because um, a data provider can actually offer several data sets or data products. Um, a data provider is really a brand of a company um, that that provides data to others. Okay,
0: that's an awful lot of alternative data providers.
1: Yes, it is. It's uh, it's quite overwhelming, um, which is which is why we don't only just. You know, tell people, to, you know, if an if a investor comes to us and wants to find data, we don't only say, hey, you know, go look at our platform and then walk away mm-hmm. um, because it gets overwhelming. And, and it's, you know, we've, we've built a proprietary taxonomy that's very complex in some ways, um, but we, we are obviously experts in that. So um, we are able to use our own taxonomy and our own platform to surface the, the, the data that that investor is looking for um, if they know what they're looking for. And then, and then, if they don't know what they're looking for, um, we 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 you know we have to probably do a little bit more digging on how the fund operates, what their strategies are, um, and you know how they actually are currently using data, whether they're able to handle raw data or if they would like to use more productized data. That's you know, for example, like a visualization or a report. Um, sure. And then and then drill down into you know what. What are the, the you know invest what are the what are the providers that could work for that particular fund strategy
0: okay and mark mentioned that you rank the alternative data providers uh, how does that work
2: yes i mean we so we have multiple different um, types of rankings and um I think like you know the first and foremost is you know we have an overall ranking and that's somewhat subjective you know based on our experience and you know, soliciting feedback from our clients that are testing, you know, the data products. Um, But it's also, you know, and I think this is a really important component, um, it's also based on interactions in the platform. And we feel that that's one of the most um, valuable assets that we have Um, just based on, you know, what's um, up and coming, you know, what are people in terms of like categories and types of data sets, what are funds looking at, um, so that also goes into our ranking system, but we also have, um, you know, other uh, elements too, like compliance. Um, whether the uh, the data product is you know commercially available, how clean is the data? So there is multiple kind of um, rankings that we do. Uh, but that's just kind of a fifty thousand foot overview of you know how those.
1: And just ju- just jumping in there for a second, we we don't, and and I should say. Uh, British mark. I'll, I'll I'll say that for. <laughs> um, so we we don't want to be the arbi- arbiter of truth in this industry in the long term. Like we we th- these these rankings that we've built are you know somewhat subjective, um, and are, are kind of a high level. They're not they're not based in the quantitative analysis of the data. Um, eventually, you know, we're we're going to be integrating um, external scoring systems and external systems to, you know, for example. Um, in a systematic way, figure out how clean is that data set? Um, and that'll be done using external partners.
0: Of course, you use alternative data to um, to rank your alternative data sets. I mean, what else would you do? So that's perfect. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm intrigued because I would think that an investor, um, one of the things they want is a data set that not everybody else uses. So one which is being ranked for popularity, it seems almost like a, like a, a thing they wouldn't want.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we, we do believe that our, our uh, kind of best asset is the fact that we can surface data sets that have never been seen before, in the, especially in the investment management industry. Um, and yes, that is very valuable. Um, but I think we're still at the point, um, in, some ca- in some cases, we're still at the point that we were you know seven, eight years ago, where there's only a handful or a few handfuls of, of um, investors that can actually handle... Data that has not been used by other companies before, other in, other investors before. Um, there's a lot of work, groundwork that needs to be done for a new data set to be brought into an investment process. Whether that's you know t- tagging tickers or um, getting rid of gaps in data sets, and and there's a lot of data quality issues that come you know with a new data set. Um, so you know there's there's positives and negatives to bringing a new data provider to, mar- to market um, and being the first to use it. Uh, there's still plenty of value in, you know, there's still plenty of value in financial market data. Uh, you know, it might be hard to get and might, you might have to be an expert to get it. Um, but, sure. you know, there's, there's, and the reason I say that is there's still plenty of value in the, the old school uh, credit card data sets, you know, for example, from M Science, there's still plenty of value from that. Sure.
0: And presumably also you can you can use a bit of innovation and creativity and combine even popular data sets in new and in new ways which are kind of proprietary to you and, and extract value which nobody else has seen. And what you guys have done is is kind of um, what you've shown is that this is a really workable piece of data. So it's 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 not gonna you know, the costs of using it aren't gonna be that high.
1: Yeah, I, I mean ultimately I think, you know, combining multiple data sets in a mosaic approach is you know, going to be the, the way that the that lead industry leaders make their most money. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. And so, what is so um what is what what is hot right now? What are you well, What trends have you seen in, in alternative data in terms of
2: usage in, in over over the time you've been covering it? I would say I think right now in terms of categories of focus and where we're getting the most requests, um, is international uh, transactional data. Uh, more specifically in China. And so the challenging thing for us is one, you know, our, you know, uh, our platform and how we systematically sorts, you know, new data providers. It's very challenging, um, you know, trying to scour what's, you know, available uh, in the Chinese language, uh, because we are using NLP um, in that process. Um, So we've tried to partner with, um, you know, uh, data experts that are over in those regions that can help us with the business development end. Um, Another challenging thing, too, is, you know, just reliability. You know, you may come across a really valuable, you know, data set in China. um, And on paper, everything looks good. But once you kind of dig deeper and go through, you know, a rigorous compliance process, you know, it's what we found is, you know, 90 percent. Of at least the providers we see over in China, you don't really understand the underlying source of where the data is coming from. And so um, it's, you know, frankly, been a lot of work, but, you know, fortunately, we have some really good partners over there. Um, We just brought to market uh, a super compelling uh, data set. They capture 97% of all um, e commerce transactions across China and all the platforms like Taobao. Alibaba, uh, pindor door um, so yeah we're we're gonna publicly announce that data set um, here in the next couple of weeks the,
1: the the other category that I wanted to mention that's you know, really picking up steam um, is ESG um, and you know the, the the ESG data is becoming really hot right now obviously for for a number of reasons but um, the the for me the most interesting parts are you know, how different companies are using it, whether they're actually using this, you know, there's some some companies boil everything down to a score for a particular ticker. Some companies will, you know, uh, score different um, aspects of the environmental or, or social or government, governance um, uh, aspects of that business um, and break it down into multiple factors. Um, we feel that uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of uh, consolidation in that space. There already has been a little bit um, and we, we feel there's going to be even more companies that are coming to market. So
0: within the ESG space, what, what can you give me an example of alternative data, which would be ESG alternative data? Like, how does that work?
1: Well, there's, there's, there's three different types, obviously, at, at least of three of, of ESG data. Um, an example, I, I would say that it's kind of underappreciated um, in, in terms of G. Uh, G is typically over, overlooked. Um, so g you know can can be about the governance of a company you know who they're hiring
0: just quick just quickly just in it's environmental social and governance isn't it
1: yes uh, and i'll just i'll just mention governance for a moment here because people don't usually talk about environment uh, but um, there's there's plenty of uh, you know interesting hiring and employment data sets um, and so you can uh, you, you know we we work with a we we, we worked with a couple of partners um, that have really interesting both job postings data sets, as well as the the employment makeup of a company. Um, so companies like Burning Glass Technologies is a longtime partner of ours. Uh, Revelio Labs is another one. Um, the, Revelio specifically can can figure out you know how many uh, you know underrepresented um, employees does a company have. Um, are they hiring women uh, systematically? Are they um, are they you know looking for for uh, where where are they hiring people and are they do they have good um, employment management practices when it comes to you know benefits, etc.? Um, and, and these are these are all kind of overlooked in some ways by the traditional vendors.
0: And that, that's great. And um, and and any examples of environmental or social stuff?
1: Uh, there's 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 hundreds hundreds of, of, of examples of those. I mean, uh, MSCI, uh, so a lot of the big vendors actually have have scoring out for for environment. Um, there's even they. There's actually a pretty interesting information coming from the company's filings themselves. Um, So, for example, MasterCard um, posts uh, every year a very in-depth ESG report that goes through their their environmental impact, as well as the impact of their vendors. Um, And uh, the information that that they surface there is not standardized in any way. It's kind of, there's no standards for how to report that information, so um, it's hard to to um, you know put it into one uh, database. Um, but I think that you know soon enough uh, standards will be built or they are being built. but when you have multiple standards you don't then you don't have any standard at all and that's really where we're at right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, And what about on the on the other side, in terms of the um, consumers of uh, alternative data or the buyers, are you seeing what are the trends that you're seeing there in terms of who is interested and how that is changing?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, kind of going back to how we started, you know, we we initially focused on, you know, a niche kind of space, which was, you know, uh, quantitative investment managers, you know, we noticed, that Jory and I both came from, you know, the buy side, Uh, but they, you know, that, that's where there was a higher velocity of money. Um, I think over time we're seeing, you know, more fundamental shops um, build out their data science teams. Um, And so we're seeing a larger audience of hedge funds, you know, get involved in the space. Um, But also too, you know, we're, we're starting to see like, you know, the private equity, um, you know, real estate uh, investors, um, are also you know starting to get involved in the alternative uh, data sector. So um, I think the the industry kind of exposure is going to get only deepen uh, over time. Um, but yeah, Jordan, like, would you would you agree with that?
1: And, and I would add in there, just typical, you know, corporate corporate clients are are beginning to realize that there's value in external data. Um, that's what they call it, at least, um, and you know it's it's tough when when some of these companies haven't even figured out their own internal data which is kind of the first domino domino that needs to fall before you start bringing in external data um but uh you know a lot of companies are starting to you know have a, enough um of a of experience with data to to do so okay
0: and and geographically we touched a little bit on the fact that new york um uh is I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my own analysis figures and seeing that there's an awful lot of people listening to me in in America, um, and and New York particularly. But um, are you seeing, are you seeing a ge- geographical sweep? Is it, is it, is it increasing in in Europe and and or or even Asia? Is there, can, are you seeing trends in that in that way?
1: In terms of uh, data consumption or data prov- providing,
0: both really. I mean, you've got you've got an eye on both sides, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Um. I mean. Uh, there's there's really an acceleration in Europe in both um, it, Europe is much tougher when it comes to um, selling data um, for the data providers because there's a much higher burden in terms of um, compliance and legal uh, com- you know issues that you have to worry about uh, for example gdpr or uh, miFID 2 in, in for for investment research providers mm-hmm. um, there, there's really quite uh, you, you really have to, you know, spend spend quite amount of, a good amount of money on on lawyers to, you know, make a company comfortable with that. Um, but you know that, that's being done. It's you know the the value is there, so people are doing that. And um, in terms of uh, the data consumption end, um, we also see a lot of uh, European hedge funds and European asset managers um, diving into the space. And even more recently, uh, as Mark mentioned. Asian asset managers, you know, those in China and, and Hong Kong um, are, are realizing the value of alternative data. There's, there's, there was a couple of alternative data conferences even in China in 2019, which was pretty surprising for me to see. Um, and, and that's really, I would say China and, and Asia are, you know, backward, you know, are about eight years behind in terms of alternative data, you know, so they're, they're kind of at the beginning um, phases. Europe is probably a few years behind, um, but not too much, and they're they're they're, they're gaining on us. Um, and you know, obviously, we're a little bit more mature in America. But um, there's the the types of asset managers that are becoming interested in alternative data are have been expanding over time. So the long onlys, you know, the, the companies over in Boston, um, the large you know largest asset managers in the world are are starting to dive in as well.
0: Mm. I think I think it's interesting um, that Chinese example, just because I I see alternative data being such an opportunity with a country where the kind of famously the markets are quite uh, suspicious of the of the of the official, the traditional data coming out of China in some ways like the you know, the unemployment hasn't changed in 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 five years or whatever, um, which is which is unlikely. So, alternative data, it seems to me, can give a really particularly behind the great firewall and things like that um, can give an insight where um, it's it's hard to get it elsewhere. So, I, I mean, I can I can I can I can understand why there could be kind of increasing interest in, in getting in there.
1: Well, it's even more interesting because, surprisingly, in some ways, their their mobile penetration and their um, electronic transactions are. Um, well, well ahead of us in terms of percentage of, of, of spend. Um, you know, most people are, are transacting uh, digitally and, and even through, through like messaging apps um, like WeChat. Um, so, you know, the, the more things that are done digitally, the more things you can measure easily um, using data providers. So um, that, that could, you know, really allow um, the economy to be better, better measured by um, these data providers.
0: Its thing is it's China is so um centralized in terms of i mean as you say WeChat and WeChat kind of uh, governs um so much of a Chinese person's life as as I understand it, so you know you do everything through WeChat so to get the perfect alternative data is almost um you need to you need to maybe be going to um you know these these big companies themselves and 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 try and crack into there
1: yeah and and that gets tough with um You know that there's the the issues with the government and and knowing you know where they have their hands and tentacles and what they're what they're willing to to allow to to happen Uh, that can change on a dime um so uh, there there are obviously you know a lot of other um concerns to worry about there for sure
0: um I think, Jordan, Mark, that's a very good and neat introduction and summary to, um, to Amass Insights and what you guys do and what you're seeing. Thank you both so much for coming on. And um, we'll be watching what happens at your end with interest.
2: Appreciate you uh, bringing us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us.